this is Small Cap Stocks Today, your best source for information on small cap stocks coast to coast with your host, Dave Donlin. Now, from the Stock Investor Daily Studios, here is Dave Donlin. And welcome to another edition of the Small Cap Stocks Today podcast. I am your host, Dave Donlin. We have a super special guest joining us here in just a moment. We'll tell you who that is. But we also want to let you know that we have a brand new sponsor on our podcast. Small Cap Stocks Today podcast is brought to you by Mammoth Corporation. Mammoth deals with public and private companies completing debt and equity transactions. Mammoth is a direct investor lender for public companies with partnership relationship sources for companies of every size. Transaction amounts range from $50,000 to $100 million. If you or anyone you know might benefit from these types of transactions, you can contact Mammoth Corporation. The toll-free number is 888 Eight four three four zero 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 one. Again, that number eight 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 four three four zero 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 one. We thank Mammoth for sponsoring the show. We have a special broadcast today. Today we are going to be joined by Dominic Chu, who is the CNBC senior markets correspondent. Dominic is part of CNBC. In fact, he's got a live shot that's coming up here in just a couple moments live on CNBC here talking about some things going on with Alphabet with uh, Larry Page and Sundar Bachar. Um, CNBC is lo located actually in uh, their global headquarters in Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey. And Dominic appears during CNBC's business day programming and contributes to CNBC.com as well. Previously, Chu was a New York-based markets correspondent for Bloomberg Television, where he covered the stock, bond, currency, and commodities market. He knows a lot about a lot of different things. So without further ado, let's welcome Dominic to the program. Dom, welcome so much for joining us today on Small Cap Stocks Today podcast. Uh, great to have you here uh, on the show today. Hey, thanks very much, David. A real pleasure joining you guys. Awesome to have you, Dom. Uh, why don't you give us a little bit of an overview, what you think what's going on with market conditions. We all see some record numbers in the market. Obviously, there's been some pullback lately. Market really kind of reacting to some things coming from the president and what's going on with the China tariffs and the deal uh, that they're saying that they're trying to get in place. What's, what's your take on what's going on right now? Well, I mean, I think my take, and I'm pretty much, I'm pretty sure the consensus take right now is is exactly what you just said. The markets are right now very much being driven by what's happening out of Washington D.C. with regard to the uh, trade and tariffs front. Uh, the, the the case in point is is trading on this particular Tuesday. I mean, you can even say Monday or Tuesday of this week. Uh, the reason why I say that is because you know we hit record highs on the Wednesday right before Thanksgiving. With those record highs that are in play, you can't really say that things are all ominous for the markets overall. What you can say is that there is an expectation that, that the United States and China are going to come to some kind of agreement, and the markets have been kind of melting up, if you will, on, on those expectations. The, the, the first chance you get at a real hint of some uh, of, of some a hiccup or a bump in the road, kind of like what you saw over the weekend, you know, with President Trump saying that he doesn't feel pressed to get a deal done. And then certainly today saying that he may not want to do a deal until after the 2020 elections. Those things are what sent the Dow, the S&P and NASDAQ and all the other major indices in the U.S. down. And uh, again, not down by much. It's not a panic driven selling right now. But what it does tell you is that it was it was trade that pushed us up higher the incrementally positive stuff. And so anytime you see incrementally negative headlines come out, especially a delay in a deal or possibly not a deal done until the latter part of next year, if it even at all, that's when you start to see markets skittish a bit. And, and that's the reason why trade is still the absolute dominant factor in what's happening with markets right now. 
Sure. I mean, how much, Don, do you think the run-up in the markets recently have been predicated on a deal with China? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's a good, it's, it's it's a huge driving part of it. Uh, there, there's no doubt about it. I would say that if, if you're looking at two main factors that are driving a lot of the market action to the upside, at least, you know, the upside factors, the tailwind for the bulls, you're probably going to see China-U.S. trade and, and, like I said, incrementally positive development, developments. I, I want to keep throwing that word in there because we have no no semblance yet of a phase one trade deal, no real hardline figures or construct or framework about what that trade deal would involve. What we do have is a lot of positive rhetoric, and, and to be fair on both sides, I mean, Chinese state media has been kind of saying, oh, things are kind of going okay, and our own president and administration have been coming out and saying, oh, things are going okay, both sides want to make a deal, yada, yada, yada. And and so, so you get that, and that kind of pushes things a little higher. The second big factor that's at play right now is the Federal Reserve. Um, you know, I get asked a lot of questions with regard to, hey, is this this December going to be like last year? Remember, last year was like a, a complete utter meltdown in the markets. There's a huge factor difference between last year and this year. Last year, there was the prospect of rising interest rates from the Fed. This year, it's it's almost the exact opposite. You're almost in like kind of an easing bias type situation, even though the Fed says they're going to wait and see what happens. But interest rates, generally speaking, as, as you can see on any chart, have been coming down over the course of the past few months here. So that those conditions are, are, are kind of what have been propelling markets to the upside. The Fed being more accommodative, so to speak, and then and positive incrementally developments on trade. So those things, if they stay in place, should help along. So as we see today, trade is the thing that's going to kind of tip that balance to the downside. Although I would even say in, in the sell-off today, we finished the day well off the lows of the session. Sure. Interesting. Uh, on the China side, I, I have an interesting take on it from the standpoint of, uh, you know, China, a lot of a lot of conjecture out there, people saying on the Chinese side, they're waiting to see what happens with the election, maybe get a different president in there. Um, I think on the flip side, when you take a look at the Chinese economy, which I think is in shambles, uh, you got banks going belly up, which they never allow to go and do within within that country. Um, you got uh, buildings after buildings that, that are uh, huge buildings out there in many cities that are completely empty, so on and so forth. It's almost kind of like the president on our side is based on his negotiation stance like, look, how much worse is your economy going to get? Uh, we don't know uh, exactly, but, you know, they, they still got a lot of that quantitative easing going in through their market, etc. So it will be fascinating to see what happens. You talk about the Fed, the interest rates. Um, obviously, there's inflation questions going on out there. The ratio of debt to equity continues to grow, doesn't it? It absolutely does. Um and not just here, by the way, but but abroad. Now, I, I would say that the reason why that that debt uh, versus equity, the the ability to for, for companies to actually go and borrow money, for people even in general to go out and borrow money, if they're creditworthy, is going right back to the Fed. And, and when I say the Fed, I just mean central banks writ large, right? You you have a global environment right now where there is easy monetary policy. It just basically means that central banks around the world, whether whether it be the Fed in the U.S whether it's the European Central Bank, now under the leadership of Christine Lagarde, whether or not it's the Bank of Japan, whether it's the Bank of England, or any of the major developed markets central bank, they're all out there actually putting more cash into the system. When you put that much cash in the system, you lower borrowing costs. And when you lower borrowing costs, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but but if I, if, if I go out there and I see a car commercial right now, right, saying, hey, 0% APR for 72 months, I might be slightly more inclined to go and buy a car because I know it's incrementally not going to cost me anything in interest to, to go and buy that car over the course of, you know, four, five, six, or seven years in terms of financing. Sure. Companies are companies are looking at it the same way, right? If, if, if you're a highly rated bar, 
And when I say that, I mean investment grade, right? You know, triple B or higher rated, you know, triple A, double A, single A, triple B. If, if you're a, a well, highly rated company, the market's almost giving you a, a chance to just take out debt. They're just saying, hey, go ahead and do it because there's no other way that we're going to get returns in the marketplace right now. You're going to give us more interest than we will from the government bond market, and you're probably a better bet over the long term in terms of getting more yield. We know that a company that's AAA rated is likely not going to go bankrupt anytime soon, a la the U.S. government. So, hey, go and borrow money. We're going to give you the license to do so. Now, the problem is investors have been that way because central banks have kept interest rates so low, there's no other way to make money. Right. And so there's this there's almost an incentive out there. There's an incentive structure for you to go out and take out debt. So, yes, there there are some signs right now that there's kind of over leverage or people taking out a lot more debt. When I say people, I mean, companies and people overall, there's a lot more debt, you know, taking right now. But that's only because the markets have allowed it to happen and will continue to do so as long as interest rates kind of globally stay the way that they are on the low side. Yeah, I mean, you see what's going on, obviously, over in Western Europe with the interest rates and what they're doing over there. You see, yeah, it, it's negative over there. And then you got the GDP growth of places like Germany, where it's like something like 1.2%. I mean, uh, France not doing well. Trump was commenting on that just recently. And it's interesting. I mean, in a recent post, I found this fascinating. It came from the Bank of England. The authors estimate that there are more than $2.2 trillion of leveraged loans outstanding worldwide. That's trillion of which $1.8 trillion are denominated in the U.S. I mean, that's a lot of debt. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, you say U.S., and, and that shouldn't be lost in the shuffle there. The reason why, it's because the U.S. dollar is still the reserve currency of the world, right? I mean, when it comes to the global business currency, it is very much still about the U.S. dollar right now. And so when you, when you talk about things like leverage loans or, or bank debt or, or high-yield debt, junk bonds, that sort of thing, a lot of that is going to be done in the U.S. market. It's because, first of all, we're the deepest and the biggest out there, the most liquid, if you will. And the second, because, you know, the U.S. dollar is just the currency of business around the world. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, everybody knows like what you're saying, that U.S., the U.S. dollar, the U.S. economy pretty much drives the world in a lot of ways. Uh, as far as the stock market goes, when you're looking at stocks, Dom, uh, not a lot of viable uh, investment alternatives out there these days, is there? Uh, it's tough. I mean, we're talking about that Tina trade, right? You know, T-I-N-A, there is no alternative, right? And you and some of your, your listeners out there probably are keenly aware of that acronym out there. These days, when you talk about that kind of environment for investing the way that you do right now, the difficulty lies in whether or not there is any other alternative for managing money the way that you do. And for, for that to, to kind of take place, you need to have viable alternatives with regard to investment options. And for right now, you can see there, there's been a recent run up, you know, over the past couple of years in terms of the way investors flock towards certain dividend paying stocks, right? They, they look towards, you know, consumer staples or utilities names. Why? Because they pay outsized dividends. The yield that they get there is much better than they get in the government bond market. And they get the prospect of some kind of growth overall in the, in the, in the broader market. So when you talk about those types of situations, it's it's not like investors are being forced. I don't want to say that you know people are getting guns held to their heads and, and, and saying, hey, you have to invest in these things. But if you look at the overall kind of investing environment right now, if you're looking for returns, you're looking for some modicum of growth and modicum of safety at the same time, and some mix of all of that in terms of income, the stock market is becoming increasingly, increasingly more attractive. Now, I say that on a relative basis, right? Because at the end of the day, when you start to look at some of those functions of the stock market overall, what you tend to see is that there can be kind of inflated valuations that come to certain parts of the market and then 
ones that kind of fall away in others. And for right now, there are certain parts of the market that have grown to be in certain size and certain everything else. And your your concern is that there could be some kind of a an asset inflation, if you will, right? Is something really worth what it's supposed to be worth? And oftentimes, if when there's a flood of money going towards certain assets because there is no alternative, then you worry about whether the valuations of those assets are getting a little bit kind of high up there. And, and for that reason, there are certain pockets of the market that investors are still a little bit wary of right now, given the current market environment. Sure, absolutely. Totally get that. Uh, I, I, we got probably another question or two we can get in here. I know you got a live segment coming up on CNBC. Uh, I wanted to talk about the the market overall, talking about the large caps, you know, the, the, the big cap stocks compared to the small caps. You foresee a, a market where there's going to be more money being pushed into the small caps coming up. It, it seems like some of the money's coming out of the big caps. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but do you see that happening anytime in, in the near future over the next couple of months or beyond? All right. So, so here's what I would say. I would say that the small cap part of the market has been underperforming and has been playing catch up for, for several months now, certainly for the, the bulk of 2019 and, and perhaps even into 2020. Uh, the reason why is because as the markets have kind of gotten their footing back, the, the leadership in this market over the, the recent leg of the bull run has been in these like large cap, especially technology and communication services companies, right? We're talking about the FANG stocks, you know, the Facebook, Amazons, Netflix, Googles, Alphabet, you know, that, that sort of thing out there. So, and that's been kind of at the expense of small cap stocks who have really underperformed. The reason why it, there, there's, a, there's a call by some out there to look at the small caps again is because if this really is a reflation trade where positivity about trade in the global economy takes foot, then those stocks will eventually play catch up. The one cause for pause that you might have out there right now, David, is a day like today when small caps very much outperformed large cap stocks. And the reason why that outperformance was was because small cap stocks are seen generally speaking, as being less prone or, or more immune to trade-related worries, especially with places like China. Small companies don't have as much exposure to them. They're not large multinationals. They, get, they don't get a lot of revenue from abroad. They're not as exposed to the global economy. They're more focused on the domestic U.S. When you have a situation like today, when trade is the, the, the negative factor, the small caps have been outperforming. If you see that kind of phenomenon happening, it might mean that there are bumpier times ahead. And that might mean small caps relatively outperform, but I don't know if that's a better sign for the market overall, the fact that small caps are slightly outperforming large caps in an environment where U.S. trying to trade woes continue to be like front and center for the overall headlines. Sure. That's a great point that you make, Dom. Uh, last question for you. I know you got to go, but what, you, what are some of the companies you think maybe in the next year, even beyond, that could hold sway in the markets? Obviously, a great example of a company holding sway in the market right now is, as we know, Apple. Is there any that, that you're looking at that you're following, maybe some stories you're covering on CNBC where you, you want to talk about or throw a couple names out? Sure, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that the companies out there that, that I mean, it, it's, it's not even a think. I, I know that mathematically speaking, at the current stage of the markets right now, it's going to be large cap, mega cap technology within the S&P 500. The way I know that is because the S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index. So the biggest companies in America have the most sway over the way the markets perform. Apple and Microsoft hold a massive amount of weighting in the S&P 500. I want to say that those two companies alone 
make up close to around 9% of the overall S&P 500. So those two companies, Apple and Microsoft, have a huge amount of sway in what's going to happen going forward. I would also put some of the more kind of media-focused names in there as well. And the reason why I say that is not because I work for a media company. Obviously, my company is owned by Comcast, NBC Universal. Mm-hmm. But, but many of these media companies, the streaming wars are fascinating to me right now, right? This idea that cord cutters are out there, that people are actually only paying for broadband and only picking and choosing these a la carte menu options from these streaming options that are out there, whether it's Hulu, whether it's the new Disney Plus streaming service, whether or not it's you know HBO Max or HBO Go, whatever it is, there, there are folks making dedicated decisions about the a la carte menu items they want to pay for with regard to entertainment. And because of that, so many of the, the parts of the landscape and media are changing a lot. And so in, in, in the coming months, you know, NBC's got their own product coming out in Peacock. Netflix is obviously the entrenched player in this space. So I would be watching not just to see what's going on there, but everything else about what's happening in the, in the consumer discretionary marketplaces as being something that you want to kind of focus on. Because remember, the American consumer has been pretty much the key to this, this rally. No matter what's been happening with the economy, like you said, unemployment's very low, and you've got a, a, an employment picture that's supportive, and people are still out there spending money. We've just had the best Cyber Monday ever in the history of U.S. spending. People are out there doing it. Whether they keep doing it next year is going to be the key, and many of these kind of media companies may be at the forefront of those particular decisions on spending. I know you got to go. You got your live shot coming up on CNBC. If you love to come back next time, if you enjoyed the interview, I'd love to have you come back. We'll talk about that. And one of the main questions is, is Netflix the future blockbuster video? That'll be one of the things we can talk about. (laughs) You got it, David. Dominic Chu, CNBC senior markets correspondent. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you have a great day. And keep in mind, today's Small Cap Stocks Today podcast has been brought to you by Mammoth Corporation. Mammoth deals with public and private companies completing debt and equity transactions. Mammoth is a direct investor lender for public companies with partner relationship sources for companies of every size. Transaction amounts, you can get them anywhere from $50,000 to $100 million. If you or anyone you know might benefit from these types of transactions from Mammoth Corporation, give them a call today, toll free, 888 888- 434-0001. Hope you join us again soon. We have another great guest coming up soon on Small Cap Stocks Today podcast. You have a great day. You have been listening to Small Cap Stocks Today, your best source for information on small cap stocks coast to coast with your host, Dave Donlin. Join us again soon for another edition of Small Cap Stocks Today. This program is entirely produced and sponsored by Cervell Group, which is responsible for the content. Opinions and information provided on this program are those of the guests and those of the respective companies they represent and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff or management of Cervell Group. Small Cap Stocks Today encourages all listeners of this program to do their due diligence and research when determining investment strategies that will work for them or to seek the assistance of an investment professional. The guests of this program may have paid for its distribution and are not directly affiliated with Cervell Group or Small Cap Stocks Today.